0: بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا ما يهده الله فلا مضل يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد فان احسن الكلام كلام الله وخير الهدى هدى محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وَإِنَّ شَرَّ الْأُمُورِ مُحْتَثَتُهَا وَكُلَّ مُحْتَثَةٍ بِدْعَةٌ وَكُلَّ بِدْعَةٍ ضَلَالَةٌ وَكُلَّ ضَلَالَةٍ فِنَارٌ. So this is the fifth lesson in the series on the story of Musa, Ali Salam and Fir'aun. And in the previous lesson, we finished looking at the part of the story which. Um, rehearsed the arguments that Musa al Islam put to Firaun and the dialogues that took place between Musa and Firaun uh, with respect to the Rububiya of Allah, azza wa jal, the Allah's Lordship, and how that makes it binding that a person submit to the Uluhiyyah of Allah. Azza wa jal. And so Musa al Islam he presented to him the evidences for the First of all, the, the existence of Allah and His Ruboobiya, meaning His Lordship, His Creatorship, His Ownership, His uh, control over the you know the creation. So we looked at that in some detail. We looked at the the two dialogues, one which was in Surat Ash-Shu'ara, and one which was in Surat Ta And so we discussed those dialogues in a bit of detail, and we elaborated upon the you know the type of argument or you know the the type of argument that Musa islam used and so basically a, a, a reflection of the argument in general in the quran whereby the prophets ali ali waslam they use the clear visible signs in the creation which everyone can see which everyone can observe and witness on a day-to-day basis and that those signs in and of themselves are direct Evidence, first-hand evidence, of the existence of Allah Azawajal, and we said that this type of argument is very simple, very direct. It is not philosophical. It is not long-winded. It is not something that the average person cannot understand. It does not require, you know, um, you know, n- detailed knowledge of philosophy and things like this. Because the hujja of Allah, the proof of Allah جل, has to be accessible to every single person, to every single person, irrespective of their level of you know their intelligence, because everyone is accountable to Allah. And so therefore the nature of the proof has to be something that is visible to the eyes or you know heard, which is, which is the Quran, but at least visible to the eyes for every single person. So every single person when he wakes in the morning, you know, he experiences the day And then the night and he sees the phenomena of the you know the motion of the sun and the moon and experiences directly the the favors of the rain uh the 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 winds uh, the plants the animals from which he derives meat and food and drink and clothing and so on so forth so that so the evidences have to be very direct and very apparent to every person and so this is the nature of the proof the of the, uh, of the argument is very simple, very direct, and that's why, as the scholars explain, like Sheikh Salih Al-Fozan says, that the hudja is already established upon the creation. That there's nothing, there's no other argument to make because the hudja, the nature of the hudja, the nature of the proof, is already established because it is, it is there, it is visible, it is plain, it is experienced by everybody with the physical senses, right? So the hudja is already established. Thereafter all you have are just um uh it's just sophistry and you know trying to reject what is what is obvious. So when we interface with you know the, the atheists and people like that and they try to claim or they try to make you believe that all of this is, is just randomness and you know uh came out of chaos and that um um you know, life and the, the the what life is actually based upon, it is all just... All, all of this is just sophistry in argumentation. It is to flee from that which is very, very obvious and very, very plain to everybody. So, we explained the the, the, the argument here of Musa alayhi salam, that he alluded to all of these phenomena, and, and he established the proof, and we said that Fir'aun, he tried to use a number of diversionary tactics false arguments, and we explained them in uh, you know, the previous few lessons. Uh, first of all, he tried to uh, argue by way of the favor he bestowed upon Fir'aun. Secondly, he tried to use the act, uh, the, sorry, the, the, the Fir'aun tried to use the favor that he bestowed upon Musa al-Islam by raising him in his household. And likewise, he tried to argue against him by saying that you killed a man and you violated the law in our country, you committed a crime. Right to basically to deny the the argument that he was bringing about Tawheed. Likewise, in the course of the argument, he tried belittlement. He tried to claim that he Musal Islam was mad. He tried to threaten him with imprisonment if he doesn't you know listen. And likewise, he tried to argue, how can you be right when all the people that, who came before the religions they were upon? What about them then? You know how come they didn't know what you are calling to, what you are bringing? So he used all of these false arguments and it came to a situation whereby he was unable to answer the actual argument. Right? Musa established the argument, he didn't have any answer. So he said, if you do not listen to what I what you, to, you know, if you don't accept me as your Lord, then I'm going to imprison you. So at this point, Musa Al Islam, he then moved to that which is stronger and greater than. The actual arguments. He said. What if I brought you. A clear sign. A manifest sign. And. He showed him. The two. Miracles. Which are. Or the two ayat. We should say. Which is. The serpent. The the, the, the stuff which turned into a serpent. And likewise. The glowing hand. Which he put into his. Into his garment. Took it out. And it became a glowing hand. So that's basically where we stopped in the story in the previous uh, lesson we got to that stage and um, we're going to continue from that point inshallah ta'ala and here then we remain in surah Taha. and the story continues from verse 56 onwards allah Azawajal, he says wa laqad araynahu ayatina kullaha wa that we indeed showed him all of our signs, but he rejected, he denied, or he belied, and he refused. He refused in, in, in arrogance. He said Allah Ajitana Min Musa." He said, Have you come to our land to expel us from our land with your magic, O Moses, O, o Musa? فلنأتينك مثله، بيننا وبينك موعدا لا نخلفه. نحن ولا أنت مكانا سوى. he said. so let us we will bring a magic which is like your magic. so let us make a meeting point or meeting time between us and you. we will not you know break it. neither us nor nor you and we will be on an equal on an equal level, so Musa islam he responded, "Ala The meeting then will be on the day of Zina. This is a day of celebration. Wa nasu and that the people should be gathered together in the morning. So we're going to take this uh, passage and also the passage which comes after, uh, with the with the magicians and the sorcerers, but. Before we continue, we want to speak a little about the issue uh, of, of magic because we're now, we've now come to the issue of magic. And Fir'aun, when he saw these clear manifest signs brought by Musa, he believed from his jahl, from his ignorance or from his arrogance, he believed that this is, this is magic, this is sihr. And that Musa and Harun are simply bewitching the people. And he also made the argument that you are simply trying to expel us from our land. You're trying to expel us from our land. And this magic that you've brought, we are going to bring magic that is equivalent to it. So let us have a meeting place in front of all, you know, a meeting place, and we shall be on a level footing. So Musa alayhi salam, he chose a day of uh, celebration that they used to have because he wanted all of the people to be present, to see, to see Fir'aun falsified. So before we continue in in, in the story and look at the commentary of Ibn Kathir, we want to speak here because now now we are faced with two things. The first thing are the, what we call in English, a miracle, even though this is not really the best uh, uh, term. And also the issue of that which is magic, sihar. So Musa, he brought ayat, which are signs from Allah, azawajal, and Fir'aun accused him of performing magic. So the question now arises, and this is actually a question in our, to do with our belief, our aqidah, which is how do we know what is a, who is a genuine prophet? How do we know who is a genuine prophet? And how do we distinguish what a prophet brings from that which is done by the sorcerers, the magicians, the soothsayers, the fortune tellers, those types of people? Right, Because this is an issue uh, that that uh, is discussed when we come to the topic of aqidah, especially when it comes to dealing with the prophethood and the nature of prophethood, and how is a prophet known, and so on and so forth. And how is he distinguished from people who do extraordinary things, like magicians, like fortune tellers. And so in this topic, we see that historically, uh, the various groups, they tried to speak about this topic, and many of them, they erred when they tried to speak about this topic. And they introduced Errors and mistakes into our Aqeedah For example Among them are the mu'tazila, And among them are the Ash'aris Right So we want to stick on this topic uh, For a short while And just look at the issue of, of Sihar And the issue of, of, of Miracles So what we, what we want to do is We want to really Just quickly summarize The essence of the affair And We find that The The, 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 the from the people of knowledge who have really discussed this in great detail and done justice to the subject is Shaykh al-Islam Ibn Taymiyyah in a number of his books. He has a book called An-Nubuwaat which deals with Prophethood. He has a book called Sharh al-Asbahaniyyah uh, which is an explanation of a particular creed in which he touches upon this topic. And likewise, uh, Al-Jawab al-Sahih liman baddala al-Masih which is the correct reply to the one who altered the religion of Isa al-Islam, the Messiah. Right, That's to do with Christians. And within there, he also discusses the topic of a genuine prophet. So, and and obviously one of the ways that we know a prophet is genuine is by way of what we call miracles. So, these points are are taken, uh, uh, they are a summary of the essence of the affair. So, they can be known in the following points. So, the first point that we need to understand is, that, how do we know a prophet is speaking the truth? Because anyone can make a claim to being a prophet, is point number one. right? Somehow the truthfulness of a prophet has to be established. And although there are numerous ways by which we can establish that, one of the ways is by way of what we call in English, miracles even though this is not a good term. Right? The, the terms that we see in the Qur'an, which al Islam Ibn Taymiyyah has pointed out, we find that three specific terms are used. Three specific words, and we should re, we should always stick to those words, because the words of the Qur'an, the words of the Sunnah, are obviously best. And so those words are, first of all, al Ayah, al Ayah, which is a sign, Ayat, signs. Second is Al-Bayyinah. Al-Bayyinah. Again, which is a very apparent, clear, evident, apparent uh, sign. And likewise, you also have Burhan. Burhan. Which again, Burhan is is evidence. So, these are the names which have come in the Qur'an specifically. And these are the words which the people of knowledge have used. And likewise, al Islam Ibn Taymiyah. He has indicated that these are the specific words. However, there are some other words which we have seen historically have been coined and been used. From them is "mu'jiza," "mu'jiza," which means in, which we translate as miracle. But the word literally "mu'jiza" means something which renders somebody else incapable. Right? It is something which uh, it's like a feat. Or a performance, or something which, which which renders other people unable to bring something which is like it. Right? This is mu'jiza That's translated as a miracle. Or we say al um, you know something which opposes uh, what is ordinary and what we normally experience. What is habitual? Something is out of the ordinary. Um, or you have something which is al Ajeeb, something which is strange. These are some other words, but what you will realize is that these words are very general. They're very general. And these <coughs> these words can describe maybe what a magician does, or a trickster, or a you know, so these words are not very unique and although the words of the Quran and the Sunnah are very unique, an ayah, a bayina, a burhan. So what the scholar says is that when we when we use these words, first of all, we should stick to these words of the Quran, an ayah, a burhan, um, a bayna, and if we use these other words like al-mu'jiza, or you know something of that nature, we should qualify it that we are speaking specifically in relation to what a prophet does, right? So we say the amazing affairs, the ajaib, which the prophets came with. Now we've qualified it with prophets. We didn't leave it general. Or we say al-mu'ajizat al-lati dharrat meaning the miracles which occurred at the hands of the prophets. Right? We are qualifying these general words: the miracle, the, the strange, the extraordinary thing, the amazing thing. We are tying them to the prophets and messengers, so we don't leave any impression. That this is something that the magicians or the sorcerers or whatever else that they might that they might bring, so uh, so we, we are making it clear that the deed or the act or the thing that we are speaking about is something that only the prophets can bring, right? So this is the first uh, and the you know the second point, right? The words al-burhan ayah bayina in the Quran. There are other general terms. Second point is that if we do use those general terms. We need to qualify them and make sure that we are speaking specifically about the Prophets and the Messengers. The third point then is, now that we've established that the way Allah establishes the truthfulness of his Prophet, so that the people can understand and know that he is indeed a genuine, genuine Prophet, is by way of the ayah, or the bayyinah, or the burhan. So these, what, what, what is the definition of the, of the ayah then? What is the definition of the Bayina or the burhan? The defini- definition is it is those things khawariqul ada those things which are outside of the ordinary they are outside of the ordinary that which we are that we jin gen, 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 uh, generally see and they are outside of the ability of the jinn and men this is a very important condition Right, in the definition of what is an ayah. Or if you want to use the word miracle, you can use the word miracle. But ayah is is the word. Right, it is something which is out of the ordinary. It is beyond the capabilities of jinn and men. Right. And it is something that Allah does with respect to his messengers. And in doing so, he is informing the people That this is a genuine Prophet. Right? So I'm going to read through that once again. It's very important that you understand this. An ayah or a bayina or a burhan, which Allah brings, it is something which is outside of the ordinary, outside of the usual laws and the scheme of things that we experience. And it is outside, not, not just extraordinary, but it is outside and beyond. The abilities of jinn and men. So this means now this excludes magic. Automatically magic is excluded because magic is from the handiwork of jinn and men. Right? So whatever is done by magic, by, by the jinn, this does not enter into the definition of a miracle or a, an ayah. Right? So it is something that Allah azawajal, He does with His prophets and messengers. And in doing so, he is informing the people, this is Ikhbar, this is informing the people, that this is a genuine Prophet. This is a genuine Prophet. Now, as you can clearly see, this is point number three in our, in our list of points, as you can clearly see, from the conditions then is, that an ayah, its condition is that it has to be outside the capabilities of jinn and men. Why is this? It is because the messengers are sent to the jinn and men. It wouldn't make sense if what the prophets and messengers did or the miracles that Allah bestowed upon them were equal or equivalent to what the jinn and men can do by way of, you know, the sihr by what the jinn do or by way of other type of trickery and deception that you see the people using. Right? Because then the Prophets and Messengers could not prove to the Jinn and men that they are genuine Prophets and Messengers, because the Jinn and men can just do bring whatever they do and it wouldn't be clear to the people. So so from the conditions of this of this ayah is that the is that the, the Prophets and Messengers they have to bring something which is completely outside the capabilities of the jinn and men you know, in terms of the, the actual ways and means that they have at their disposal, right? So in terms of jinn, we know that the jinn have, there's many things that they can do, uh, they can travel very rapidly, they can take information, they can carry things, they can influence uh, people in their minds, in their senses. There's many things that the jinn can, uh, can actually do. And likewise, the jinn can also inform men of some of the, Uh, you know, the the, the secrets of Allah's creation, the things in Allah's creation, how Allah's creation works in terms of the ways and means, the asbab, things of that nature. Um, Or they can direct them to these affairs. And as for men, the men likewise, there are certain things in their capacity and capability. So what what the prophets and messengers bring, it has to be beyond that capability. Now once we understand this, we should also understand that when we speak of the ayat or these miracles, then as the scholars explain, there are those which are time bound and there are those which are not time bound. So in other words, some of these ayat, these what we call miracles, there are those that would be a miracle only in a particular time. And it would no longer be a miracle in a a later time. So let me now give you an illustration or an example of this. For example, uh, if we see that uh, that there are certain um, hadith, for example, one of them is where the messenger of Allah said that it is as if I am seeing right now Musa alayhi salam as if he's from the people, uh, as if he's on a uh, camel, from the camels of uh, a tribe, Banu Azd. And basically he is making his way to the uh, to, to Hajj. Right? So here, you see that in the, in the vision of the eye, the Messenger of Allah, this is just one example, there are many other examples of where he is shown something. He's shown something that is beyond the ability of a person to see. Right? Keep this example in mind. Second example is when Umar ibn Khattab ta'ala, who was once, he was giving a sermon and whilst he was giving a sermon there was a sahabi somewhere in Iraq. Right? He was out, he's engaged in a in a in a, you know um, uh, a battle or engaged in an expedition. And He called out and directed him And he said to him By the mountain By the mountain While he was giving the khutbah To the people present there in Medina And that sahabi heard it Over there I think maybe it was Basra or somewhere In that region And he heard that And then he took the advice And he went By the the mountain So here there are two examples Which I'm giving you One is which is related to, to vision And one which is related to hearing Right so that is an ayah. It is a miracle, or for, the, for, for you know, for those who are less than the prophets, it is a karama. It is like a, again, like like a miracle, like a minor miracle. These things, if we, if today, if we were to now say that we can see someone on the other side of the earth and we can direct them or we can speak to them, this this would no longer be a miracle, because now the technological means are present in order to achieve the same thing right and likewise you can go back and you can see in history something which is 100 years old and you can see on film you can see captured events taking place which are 100 years old right to look back into history now visually isn't that's no longer a miracle it's meaning it's no longer something that would be uh, a miracle in this time and age and similarly with the issue of of of, of hearing. So the point being there are some miracles which are miracles which are time bound and there will no longer be miracles in a different time because of the advance in technology and things of that nature. So this is a distinction important distinction that Sheikh Saleh Al-Sheikh uh, he makes and you know he mentioned it in his commentary on al Tahawiyyah. Uh, so so this is one type of uh, miracle. The second type of miracle is one which is not time-bound, and so this would be, for example, the fire which Ibrahim al-islam was thrown into, and Allah azawajal, He altered the properties of the fire so that it no longer had the qualities of, you know, of heat and burning and so on and so forth. So here we see this now is a direct, is an intervention. It's an intervention in the creation. To change the actual properties and the qualities of something, right? So, this distinction is very which Sheikh Salih Ali Sheikh, which he has made, is very important for us to understand, because. Um, there are, in fact, there are many important reasons why it, it's important for us to understand this issue. So, I'm going to I'm going to stick to this point for a, for a while because of its uh, importance. So. One of the things which is connected to this issue, then this distinction between uh, something that would be a miracle in a certain time, and it wouldn't be a miracle in another time, right? One of the things which is connected to this is the issue of how we, as believers, we believe in the unseen, right? The first description of the believers in the Quran is what? What, what does it say? Uh, those uh, those who uh, believe in the in the غيب, الذين يؤمنون بالغيب. Those who believe in the unseen. That's the first quality mentioned of the believers in the Quran that they believe in the, in the unseen. And believing in the in, in the unseen is from aql, It is from reason. It is from intelligence to believe in the unseen. As for the claim of you know many many people in history. Uh, from the types of atheists and other than them, uh, they've, they've tried to argue like this false idea that the only thing that exists is what, is what you can perceive with the senses. This is Baatil, This is false, right? There are things which exist outside of your direct experience, right? There are things that you cannot see, the things which you cannot hear, as in because you are not physically present. And then there are those things which you it's impossible for you to see with the eye in any case, right? So everyone has to believe in something from the unseen. You know, what they can't directly experience. So, so as believers, if you imagine that we were living in the, let's just say, the 4th century, after Isa salam, right? From our description is that we believe in the unseen. And we believe that within Allah's creation, there are such ways and means which He has created. That we have not yet discovered And there are such things which are possible That we have not yet discovered right? So in other words A believer in Allah In that time would be the one for example Who would believe that within Allah's creation There are things that Although we wouldn't think of it at that time That would enable for example man to fly Right? This is from the unseen, meaning that this, within Allah's creation, there are certain things which are possible. Or there are certain powers, there are certain things in Allah's creation which He has created, that we don't yet fathom, that we don't yet understand, but you know whose existence is real and true. Right. So we would be those types of believers who acknowledge and accept those types of things. Right? We wouldn't deny or dismiss those types of things which are which you know which are, which are at present are outside the abilities and the capabilities of, 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 of humans, right? That would be accommodated in our belief. Right? So so there are, so there, so on that basis there are some things which have happened which we deem to be miracles for which no one has any reason to deny. Right so no scientist can deny this idea of miracles then, right, because the examples which I gave you about which we see about you know seeing something or hearing something which it w- w- would be impossible in that time to hear or see, we now know that there 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 exists the means to be able to achieve that so if Allah is the creator of those ways and means right which we can use in our time, then most certainly he can. Bring about those ways and means for his prophets and messengers, right, using ways and means within his creation, meaning meaning something other than che- directly intervening and changing the property of a thing. Do you understand the difference disti- distinction i 'm trying to make The distinction I 'm trying to make is basically there are some miracles in which Allah intervenes and changes the actual property of a thing. Fire always burns, but because Allah is the one who created the fire with that property. He can make it have the opposite property. He can make it be cool. Right? Because he gives things the properties. Some miracles are like that. Some miracles are like that. And this is outside the ability of anyone anyone to do. These miracles are not bound by time. Right? These are miracles that stand for all time because no person has the ability or the power to alter and change these things. And likewise, the Quran is one of these type of types of miracles. The Quran is an everlasting miracle; no, it cannot be reproduced or you know uh, uh, mimicked. Then there are other types of things which are miracles, but which are things which work based upon the way Allah has created His creation, right? And in times and places, there are, some thing, there, are there are things which would count as miracles that can be achieved by those means. But which would no longer be miracles at some other time. Right? And those things take place. Those things take place, you know, uh, uh, for the prophets, and for, uh, likewise, there can be karamat of the awliya, the the, the righteous people who, um, you know, they, they experience certain things which are, which are treated as like minor types of miracles. So the point that we're making is that there is nothing in reason or experience that justifies anyone rejecting the notion or the idea of miracles. Whether it's the first type that I mentioned, or whether it is the second type that I mentioned. As for the second type, this is very clear. From the examples which I gave, right? Example of seeing something, you know, back in history, or hearing something in a different part of the world, right? We can now understand that within Allah's creation, Allah's made His creation in such a way, by way of... Waves and whatever else That it is possible for you to hear someone on the, on the other side of the earth With no direct, there's no wires or anything It's just through the air Right And likewise we can even envisage We could even envisage that it could be possible for a person to even float In the air Right and now we can see this technology where something which is not metallic, it's not, does not have any, uh, anything magnetic, but by using specific, very powerful types of magnets, you can make a grain of salt to float in the air, or a grain of sand to float in the air, or just a, a breadcrumb to float in the air. This you can actually see videos that, of them you know, doing this. Right? There are specific types of very powerful magnets that bring weightlessness. They can bring this idea of, or not this idea, but this reality of removing weightlessness from a thing, right? This is one of the things that the, the, the scientists are baffled about and thinking, what is it that gives something weight? How does, right? This is one of those things that they, that they baffled us to, what is weight first of all? What is mass? And how does it arise in a, in, in a thing, in an atom or whatever else, right? But they're discovering that you can bring about weightlessness to things, right? So what, what I'm saying is that these are things which exist within Allah's creation. And there are many more things that we will probably never ever understand. Right? For example, jinn or angels. These are things which are beyond the human mind. But they're also beyond any ways or, ways or means that we could ever have of investigating these things. Some things we just can't investigate. Right? They're beyond the mind to know and understand these things. That's why to believe in the unseen, to believe in the jinn, that they are true and real and to believe in the angels that they are true and real it is from aqal to believe in these things these are not fairy tales right and there and and, and and there's nothing within what rather there is in what we know that what what justifies even rationally even just through reason that that justifies belief in these these types of things so anyway that's the first point that I was making that's connected to this distinction between Miracles which are time bound and miracles which are not bound to time, they apply all the time, right? They are, if you like, you know, eternal uh, uh, miracles, meaning they apply at every time, they can be done at, at any time. So that's one of the, the key things that we need to understand from that, um, that uh, first of all, it's perfectly within reason to believe in these things. And secondly, many miracles of the past, they cannot be denied on scientific grounds. You've got no scientific grounds to deny that you know, one of the miracles was to you know, uh, a sahabi heard another sahabi from such and such a uh, different location. Right? Because Allah is able to carry the vice through whatever means because he's the creator of these ways and means. To carry them to someone else on the other side of the earth if he wants to. Right? And there's, there's nothing that deems that to be impossible in terms of what we actually know and understand of how the creation works and how it functions. So, obviously there are some, some ben- these are some of the benefits in knowing that particular uh, distinction. So once that is clear, we continue. And the next point that we want to make is that miracles then, or the ayat of Allah, they are just one of the many ways and means by which we can know someone is a true prophet. Right? It is not the only way. It is a mistake to say that the only way we can know a prophet is if he brings a miracle. Right? This is this is not correct. This is not true. Rather the way by which we can know a prophet is a genuine prophet from Allah there there are many ways and means. Right? Miracles is just one of them. So from those ways and means is uh, first of all, the akhlaq the actual uh, qualities and the traits and the mannerisms of that individual. We know that the prophets and messengers are truthful people, upright people, noble people. From their history it is known that they are you know, truthful, righteous, pious, that they are, keep away from shirk, that they keep away from things which are uh, major sins and things of that nature. So just from the upright character... Of the uh, of, of of the prophets and messengers, this is one of the signs that they are that they are prophets and messengers of Allah Zawajal, right? So basically, we have a combination of things. It's not just one thing, which is just miracles. Likewise, we have uh, another sign, which is that they make prophecies which become true, right? They give knowledge of the unseen, which you know, which like for example, a man called Thumama came. Uh, and he came and he came to assassinate the Messenger of Allah. Right? And he was captured. No one knew this apart from himself. So he was captured by the by some companions, they brought him to the, the, the Messenger of Sallam and he was tied to a pillar in the mosque, and every day the messenger came to him and you know he he made the companions give him food and milk and whatever else. And every day he came to him and said, Why have you come, O oh, Thumama? Why have you come? And he tried to make excuses. Oh I came for such and such, I came for such and such the messenger informed him that you came to assassinate me right so he was stunned that how could this man know something which only i know in my own self how could he how could he know this right and there are many examples of this so informing of the unseen which is like at the present time and likewise at times which occur after that a short time after you like he gave the prophecy of the khawarij appearing Right, and the civil war between the Muslims between Ali and Muawiyah, right, and how Ali will be the one who will be in you know most, more more closer to the truth. Right and then many, many other things that, that came later, and then things that will come at the end of uh, end of time from the signs of the hour. Right? So prophecies and mentioning something of the unseen given to them from Allah then this is another way that we know someone is a genuine prophet of Allah Azzawajal. Um, likewise, from the ways and means we know is that we see that they are aided and they are victorious against their disputants, against their enemies. So we see that the Messenger of Allah was given victory over uh, the Persians and the Romans, and before that the pagan Arabs, right? And then Islam spread across, you know, Africa towards the west, and then towards the east, going across India and so on and so forth. Right, So this this is clear manifest victory in a very, very uh, short time. That again is a clear proof that Allah Allah wouldn't aid a liar. Allah wouldn't aid an imposter, someone who claims to be a prophet and he's not a prophet. How, how and why would he aid such a messenger and his followers with such a, a huge empire? And then we also have in the case of the messenger of Allah, the Qur'an. The Qur'an is an everlasting uh, miracle. So the point that we are making is that the way by which we know a genuine prophet, there are many different roots and angles; they support each other, and it is wrong to claim that the only way we can establish a miracle, uh, the, uh, establish that a prophet is a prophet, is by claiming that he must bring a miracle. Right? This is a wrong. This is a wrong notion, and it is a wrong idea. Now, This now, now that we've covered a miracle, what is a miracle? And a miracle is something that Allah, basically Allah is, is essentially Allah is informing you by way of this thing, that this is a genuine prophet and a messenger, and that thing has to be outside of the capabilities of jinn and men. Right? So from this now, the next question that follows then, is that, that there must be clear differences between what is a miracle, an ayah, and what is sihar? What is magic? Right, there must be clear distinctions by definition. There has to be distinctions. So, from the clear distinctions, um, we mentioned a number of them. First of all, that magic is something that is known amongst the people, all in all nations and all societies, people understand and know magic, they know what it is, they know that you you know, that you do certain filthy evil deeds to please the jinn, to please the shayateen, to please the devils. The devils will then appoint a jinn and they will assign that jinn, they will send that jinn to go to that person, to that individual whom they want to be afflicted or inflicted. That jinn will then remain with that person. That jinn will enter the body. It will do whatever things were requested. It could be to separate a man from his wife. It could be to make him feel a pain. In, in some part of his body. It could be to make him lose his aql, to lose his you know, intellect. It could be, right? So all of these things, we know how these things work. So the first difference then as we said Is that magic Fortune telling With fortune telling a person is just simply Acquiring information from the jinn Who maybe have You know one truth and they mix with it A hundred lies And you know they bring this to 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 the fortune teller All these we know how this works Right The mechanism by which the magician Does what he does All of this is within the created ways and means, right? And this is something that is known amongst all nations. Magic has existed for a very, very long time, and in every nation there are people who understand these affairs. They're able to uh, go to someone who practices magic, and they're able to, you know, bring about these effects, which are which are out of the ordinary. So, uh, so this is the first thing. As for the prophets and messengers, what they bring then those affairs are not really they're not really known, they are not common among the people, and they are not something which can be can be reproduced. The second thing is that magic and fortune telling is something that can be learned and can be acquired. Right? It is an art that can be learned. This is unlike prophethood and unlike you know, uh, a person cannot train to be a prophet. You can't practice, you can't um, do spiritual exercises, do mental exercises. You, you can't, you know, learn to be a good speaker and learn to, how to uh, influence people and then become a prophet, right? No one, you you can't become a prophet by way of that because prophethood is something which is bestowed. Allah chooses a prophet. And then he aids him and supports him. So we know that magic is something that the people indulge in. It is, an, it is a craft that can be learnt if you go and you, you, know, you learn from a magician or you read certain books, you become a, you know, a, a magician. And all of this entails that you, you know, enter into shirk and kufr and evil, vile, filthy things because only then will you win the aid and the support of the shayateen and, 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 and the devils. Whereas we know that the prophets and messengers they bring the complete opposite of all of that. They bring Tawheed. They bring justice. They bring truthfulness. They bring righteousness. They bring cleanliness, right? Of, of the heart and likewise of the body. Whereas the magicians, they are the opposite of, of all of that. So, these are some of the differences between the miracles, the ayat of the Anbiya and the magic that is performed by the jinn and men, right, They're in collaboration with each other between between the jinn and uh, the men. Now, if you remember at the beginning, I said that um, we made a we, we, in the definition of what is a miracle or an ayah, we said it is something that is beyond the abilities of jinn and men by definition, right. Now we're going to look at some groups who made a mistake in this topic. They made a mistake. They are the Mu'tazila and they are the Ash'aris. Right? So the Mu'tazila, what they said, the Mu'tazila, they said, they basically said that the only way we can know a Prophet is a genuine Prophet is by way of miracles. Right? That's the only way we can know a Prophet, by way of miracles. This, as you know, is a mistake. Because there are many ways and angles of knowing a Prophet. But they said the only way of knowing a Prophet is that he brings a miracle. And then they said, when they looked at the issue of magic, and they looked at the issue of miracles which occur to the righteous people, the karamat of the awliya. They said that if these things can happen at the hands of magicians, and it can also happen at the hands of righteous people, then we would not be able to distinguish between them and between the prophets. Which means that these things must be false. There's no such thing as magic. And there's no such thing as a miracle, a karama to the awliya. So what the Mu'tazila did is they rejected the reality of magic, and they rejected the reality of miracles which happened to other than the prophets, like the Sahaba, the Awliya of Allah, and so on and so forth. Right? And they used their reason, the reason that this, these things which are happening, there's no such thing as magic. It's all in the head. And there's no such thing as a, a, a karama to, to a wali. This is just something which can be explained by the normal ways and means. right? So the Mu'tazila, upon this false idea that only a miracle can, can prove a prof, prophethood, they then rejected the reality of magic, and they rejected the reality of the karamat of the awliya. Right? This is how they fell into a mistake. And as for the Ash'aris, the Ash'aris also made a mistake, they said, the only way we can know a prophet, is by way of miracles, and miracles are things which are outside of the ordinary. However, Magicians can also do miracles, they can also do things that other people can't do. But the difference is that the prophet will make a claim to be a prophet and he will make a challenge with respect to his miracle, right? So, in other words, what's the difference between a prophet and a magician? This is what the Ash'aris are saying now, yeah. This is wrong, this is false, what they are saying. They are saying. That a Prophet will bring a miracle and the magician will bring something which appears to be a miracle. But the difference is, the Prophet will say, I am a Prophet and I challenge you to bring something like this. Right? And then what Allah will, Allah will do, Allah will make it, He will prevent those people from bringing something similar to what the Prophet, what the prophet brought right if you think about the situation what really then is the miracle here to the ash'aris there really isn't a miracle because to them what the prophets and messengers do are the same as what the magicians do right the miracle is really allah stops and prevents the magicians from doing something that will Mimic and rival what the prophets and messengers do Not that they don't have the ability They have the ability But Allah intervenes And he prevents them from doing it Can you see how this is false? This is false Because here they haven't truly distinguished Between a prophet and a magician What they are saying is That what the prophets bring of miracles And what the magicians do of miracles They are all the same thing They are the same category they are things which are just outside of the ordinary, right? But what the difference is to them is that the Prophet makes a claim of being a Prophet and then he challenges them, I challenge you, I challenge you to bring something like this, right? And then those magicians, even though they are able to bring something which is similar, Allah <laughs> He intervenes and He prevents them from doing what they want to do, Right? If you think about this reasoning, this, this false idea now has an implication upon other things. right? So for example, there's a discussion about the Qur'an. Is the Qur'an something that can be mimicked and reproduced? What we say as Ahl-Sunnah is no, it is impossible. The Qur'an is a miracle that can never ever be reproduced. right? But if you take that understanding of a miracle that we just discussed, it would mean that the Arabs were able to bring something like the Qur'an, but Allah simply prevented them from doing so. Right, do you understand? Upon that understanding of what is a miracle, and that's false. Rather, the Qur'an is the speech of Allah It can never ever be mimicked. It cannot be reproduced. It is outside of the ability of the jinn and men. That's why you see the challenge in the Qur'an. See, so if you together, bring together the jinn and the men to bring the likes of this, then they will, they will not be able to bring the, brings the likes of Meaning it is outside the ability of jinn and men to bring the Qur'an. So this shows that if we do not have the right understanding of these topics, of for example, what is a miracle? And what is magic? What is sihr? And what are the differences between them? Right? We will not be able to prove and establish the difference between a genuine prophet and a fake and a false prophet. Right? So this is why this discussion is very very important to understand and what I've, what I've given you is I've actually given you the the essence of the whole subject in a few simple points. Although it is discussed in great detail in the books of Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymi. But that should give you the, the essence and the crux of the, of the affairs. So coming back to the issue we said that we are in the story of Musa al-Islam and Fir'aun. And Musa al-Islam has shown Fir'aun two miracles, two ayat. The first ayah is the snake, the staff turning to a snake, which devoured Oh, Sorry, not, not at this point. He just simply showed him the, the sign at this point, in front of Fir'aun. And then he showed him the hand, the illuminating hand, right? Which is impossible for anyone to, to mimic or to bring that, even within the ways and means that we have within the creation. So when he saw this, Fir'aun said, this is nothing but magic. This is nothing but sihr that you have brought. And we are going to bring magic, which is going to be similar to this. So let us have a meeting, and let us, you know, see see who is, uh, you know, whatever. So we are at this. We are at this part in the story, and so Musa al Islam. His response, as we as as he said, is that we, you know, we, we, as Ibn Kathir says, that he said to him, um, uh, that that uh, our meeting uh, point, Mawidukum yawmuz is on the day of celebration, and so this was on the day of uh, a huge celebration. Musa said that we want the people to be gathered in the morning meaning in the first part of the day when it's hot and, and it's very light, it's out in the open it's not in the night time where you can you know deceive and trick and, and under the cover of night, it is out in the open everybody can see and so Musa he chose this time because he wanted everyone to see uh, the uh, falsification of the magic that Fir'aun was going to bring so we're gonna close because it's time for the prayer now but just before we close the lesson uh, we spoke about miracles and we'll just finish briefly to speak about magic. Right? So when we speak about sihr, magic magic is of a number of types based upon what we see in the Quran and the sunnah. So first of all the definition of magic magic is uh, ما سببه وخفية Magic is a word Sihr which means Anything whose Ways and means Is subtle and hidden Whose ways and means Whose causes Is subtle and hidden You can't see What, what the cause Of this thing is Right So for example When you see a person um, Going mad Or losing his mind You can't see Any medical reason Why this man Should be, should be behaving like this Or when you see A split between A husband and wife Right, You see them just sudden change of character. You, you, you can't see what the reason is behind this. Or a pain somewhere in the body. right? There's, 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 there's no reason why that person, sh- from a medical point of view, why that person should be having a pain. right? So here, we don't know the cause. We don't know the reason. It's hidden. And obviously in this case, it is, it is the jinn. So, so you can see how this applies to magic. Uh, the jinn, they come. They affect a person in his mind in his body, in his abilities, and you know, it, it's an effect that can't be otherwise explained, because it is coming from, from, from the jinn. So Sihr is when men collaborate with the jinn uh, for, for each other's benefit, and the jinn then come and they do some sort of you know, magic on an individual, they bewitch his eyes, they bewitch his hearing, they play with his mind, they play with his body, and so on and so forth. This is a type of magic. Likewise, the messenger of Allah told us of another type of magic, wa inna bayani la that indeed from speech is that which is sihr. This is because speech is something by which you can affect a person's, you know, heart, his emotions, without them really realizing what you are doing. You 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 are playing and you are altering their their feelings and their emotions. So some type of speech has been described as magic and likewise um, you know there are there are many other modern types of things that would come under under sihr uh, which is even the use of technology to deceive your eyes to deceive you into believing things which are which are not true right so nowadays the, this this type of sihr uh, exists where the distinction between what is real and what is virtual is no longer, you can't make that distinction anymore, right? So basically, you could be accused of saying something on video that you never actually said, and you couldn't tell the difference, right? Because your your video could be taken, and then this part of your mouth could be inserted, and you could be saying certain things in your voice, but it's not actually you. And a person looking could not tell the actual difference, right? So basically, you can be framed in many different ways and that technology is already already present right your voice can be mimicked if all it needs is a minute of your voice and your voice can be mimicked by, by computers it can be it can be reproduced you couldn't really tell the difference with, with the ears right so again this would now count as a, a type of sihr that whose means are hidden and subtle and you can't really really tell the difference so you see that the disbelievers uh, you know they are able to deceive us about certain things uh, by way of technology as well. This would enter into the definition of Sihara as well. So we want to close there. The point that we're making from all of this lesson is that the prophets and messengers bring ayat which are completely outside of the abilities and the ways uh, you know which the jinn and men can bring. This includes all of the ways and means within creation like science, technology, whatever else, right? These are the the ayat of the prophets and messengers. And they are different to magic because magic is something which is known, how it takes place, what happens, and so on and so forth. So we we are at at this part in the story inshallah ta'ala. We'll we'll stop right here. We'll continue in the next lesson. And this basically is where the magicians are brought, all of the magicians in Egypt, in Misr, they are brought together, gathered together in the court of Fir'aun. And you know, Musa will come and he will invalidate their falsehood, their sihr, by way of the ayat of Allah Azza And the truth will be established. So we'll leave that there, inshallah ta'ala. And we'll take that up in the next lesson. rabbil wa sallallahu ala Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ajma'in.